what did you eat for breakfast? Um, this morning I had what I always have, yogurt, protein shake, and uh, I got this protein bar when I get a little bit hungry. It's a crunch bar thing. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 84. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. This time out, we welcome Bruce Ackerman, the founder of Printavo, a company whose software helps print shops just like the Skinny Armadillo track orders, scheduling, and manage customers. Bruce talks about how he got into building apps, his background in music and printing, and takes us through how Printavo as a company helps shops succeed, grow, and in some cases avoid shutting their doors. We also look at how bands can use business examples to propel their own organizations and gives us some great tips in how to improve merch offerings. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I'll be offering a social media audit service for a select number of bands and artists from now until the end of the year. More details to come soon, but if you are interested in taking your social media accounts to the next level and working with me to make sure your brand is properly represented across all platforms, then get in contact and we can set up a Zoom call. This week's suggested artist is LA-based Abysmal Dawn, label mates of Australian prog band Voyager that I interviewed in episode 79. I'm personally drawn to their well-produced classic death metal sound, that in my opinion picks up where Chuck Schuldiner left off. In fact, on their most recent album, Phylogenesis, they recorded a faithful rendition of Death's flattening of emotions. With covers, sometimes you want a band to change up the song and make it their own. For me, because of what Death and Chuck mean to the metal community, I can safely say that this is a really loving rendition of a classic. If you like what you're hearing, go give the band some love and hopefully go see them live when we get back to regular live shows and tours. Here's my interview with Bruce. All right, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Bruce Ackerman, who is the founder of Printavo. And so this this is going to be a cool insight for musicians to look into what makes print shops uh, work behind the scenes. 
So welcome, and how you doing? Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for being able to have me, Simon. This is great. No problem. So in your own words, what I mean, what is Printavo? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny. So many bands specifically start printing merch, and then they end up becoming a merch company, uh, like a screen printing shop, <laughs> and providing merch to other companies. And as that transition happens... Um, they need some sort of software to be able to yeah. keep track of their business, to track uh, things like quotes and approvals and payments, all that. And so that's what Printavo does is it keeps track of the end-to-end -end workflow to keep these guys' businesses really organized. Awesome. And I, I like your um, description. I think I saw it on LinkedIn was Printavo is kind of QuickBooks for the printing industry. Exactly. Exactly. Just very specific for them. Right. So yeah, like I work for Skinny Armadillo, as many people on the podcast listeners uh, will know. Uh, we use it in our shop, and it's extremely helpful to, you know, get approvals and and send artwork to customers. So if you work with us, you'll get a message from Printavo, um, you know, requesting your your input and all all that good stuff. So, um, let's let's dig into your background. Where where did you go to school? What did you go to school for? Yeah. Um, so I, I went to University of Illinois in Champaign, uh, uh, Urbana, Illinois. So it's downstate. It's a Big Ten school, but it's in the middle of nowhere. So um, uh -huh. it was awesome. Like I had, I had always been really into music in high school, and then kind of transitioned to just all skateboarding in college again. It was like skating growing up. Thank God, you know, I, I remember seeing actually in high school, this guy, uh, he, he performed at like a battle of the bands we had in high school yeah. and he just like, was just a complete shredder, like amazing, you know, um, like Steve Vai, Yngwie Malmsteen type virtuoso. Mm. And I was like, holy crap, that's amazing. That inspired me to get a guitar. So then I was just playing, playing, playing and loved that metal scene for those four-ish years and then transitioned yep. back to hanging out with a bunch of skaters again in college <laughs> um but yeah, i studied business so uh information systems and process management kind of like supply chain and uh some like it stuff yep and it was good i mean I, I liked being there but i was so interested in skating and apparel and music on the side and that's really what started exposing me personally at, at least to the screen printing world awesome um, yeah, and, and it looks like from your LinkedIn that you've you've done a few startups. So could you talk about the process of you know getting out of school and like what drives you to to create those things? Yeah, I think I think in college, you know, you can kind of make the time as you manage it best. Really, mm. in, in essence. You know, you, you could go out and party all the time and, and you know, have a, a job and go to class and study and do all that stuff um, and just make what you have of the time. I, I personally spent a lot of time uh, working on little apps and freelancing. Mm. So I was just freelancing a ton and doing a lot of UI design, just graphic design type of work. And then also uh, spent some time going out, but some time in class, probably should have spent more time there. But <laughs> but like I just love like building stuff. Um, and I was always building little applications to help solve needs. So when we were selling the clothes, for example, any retail brand knows inventory is just hard to keep track of. And at the time, there really wasn't Shopify from my remember. 
So we just kept it in uh, an Excel file, but I wanted it to be web-based. So we built like a really simple inventory management application. And then I wanted to be able to like text people that were into our retail brand. So I built this little texting app where people mm. could sign up for text messages for, for deals or updates, things like that. So it just kept iterating. It was like inventory. Was te- I must have built seven, eight things. And then in the, in the skate shop, we were selling clothes through on campus. The owner actually had some screen printing equipment. Mm. And he was trying to get rid of it. It was he just said it was sitting in his garage, you know, it was just collecting dust on there. Do you want to buy it? And we figured, heck yeah. I mean, at the time, you probably remember the hundreds were really big, Johnny Cupcakes. Um like like streetwear, I just feel like was was such a big aspect, especially of of skateboarding. Mm. And we said, yeah. And so we bought it and I don't think we printed really anything for ourselves. We immediately take, started taking custom orders and just like, like ex, you know, uh, musicians and, and, and like bands, it was just like, holy crap, we're making pretty decent money just printing mm. for other people and making their, their stories come to life on apparel. So yeah, just immediately focused on that. And then when out of that, when, I mean, what, where was Printavo born? So as we started printing, um, if anybody's ever screen printed a shirt, like, you know, there's 10, 15 different steps, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's easy when you get one job coming in and everybody starts off like, I'm sure Skinny Armadillo's, you know, you start off with QuickBooks or Google Sheets or, you know, um, pen and paper is a big one and whiteboards. Yep. But that just doesn't work when you have three, four people in the company. And when you've got multiple orders at the same time every day, like if you have two, three orders a day and each has 10 steps, call it right. I mean, the, the problems just escalate mm-hmm. in an X and a Y axis and it gets crazy very, very quickly. And you got to be really competitive today, right? Like anybody can go out and buy a press. So if anybody can print, then, you know, what is the real value that you're adding? And generally it's how you're interacting with the customers, that experience you're creating. And the bar is set high, especially with Amazon and Mm -hmm. Shopify being a really good platform to help people with e-commerce. I mean, the bar is set high for what people expect when they buy something and interact with a company. So um, we wanted to take all of those services and make it in one easy to use tool that gave the customer great experience, but then also gave, make it very easy for you and, and the team to be able to stay on top of their work. And so that was Printavo. Mm. Um, and that was nine years ago, nine. So first customer came in 2012, but really started 2010, 2011-ish, working on it. It's It's been, um, I, think, I think what's been super interesting is that like, I remember releasing the the platform so people could actually start using it in early 2012 after mm-hmm. like the ups and downs of of building software yeah um and you know you think you release it and people will come and nobody sh- shows up right i mean some right. people may be interested some people not so i remember i dropped the price then i dropped it again to free then people were like eh it's free i'm running my business on it how did this doesn't make sense then bring it back up again. And then I remember somebody uh, first paying and I got that Stripe notification. If you guys use Stripe, you, I know you see the emails. It's like, congratulations, you successfully mm-hmm. received a payment. 
And I was like, holy cow, somebody just paid us, I think it was $29 then for the, the one plan or something that we had. That's great. And uh, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So roughly how many uh, customers do you have now? I mean, how many print shops do you support? Yeah, I mean, we work with a few thousand shops um, all over the world, actually, mainly centered in the U.S., um, probably 90% or so, but definitely around, I mean... We were setting up a shop in Nigeria, sh- shops all around Europe, um, Canada, Mexico, uh, Belize. I remember I just heard the other day, wow. Japan. So, so they're they're pretty spread out, which is really cool. Hmm. Um, obviously, people want promotional and apparel everywhere, and yep. so it's a very worldly thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's talk about that for a second. That's a good jumping off point. Um, I was just searching some numbers, um, and I think I I don't know how accurate these were, but custom print screen printed apparel in the U.S. in two thousand is that twenty? I mean, I yeah, I don't know if two twenty twenty is going to be accurate, but it's somewhere in the region of eight and a half million uh, billion dollars. Um, oh, glo- I mean, global apparel market in two thousand eighteen was somewhere in the region of twenty six. Uh, almost $27 billion. Um, and from what I can determine, my, my estimations is, uh, you know, merch for bands and music is, is roughly 10% area. I don't know if you've got better numbers than that, but um, and yeah, it's a that's, huge industry. Those are the numbers. Yeah, those are the numbers I've seen as well. It's pretty significant. Um, mm. I mean, as you know, I mean, that's how, how do bands make their money really now? Right. Um you know, some of the bigger artists literally have semi trailers going back and forth from from shops to venues, picking up and dropping things off. The margins are huge because they're buying at such big volume. Right. You know, and they're selling um, garments like long sleeve t shirts and stuff for call it thirty, forty bucks for a tee. And some people are like, "Hey, it's so expensive," but like, it's they're not buying in, like they're not just buying a T-shirt. You're buying the brand. I mean, a Louis right. Vuitton purse is also very expensive for a bag. You can have a plastic bag if you want, yeah. but you know you're buying the brand, and that's that's what that's what people want to rep. That's what they emotionally care about. Right, and yeah, emotionally connected to the experience of like the concert, and you know, you you want a, a memory of that, um, and you know, I think. Uh, I don't know if you have any numbers on this, but like my kids really love the Wiggles and we went to see them in concert and their merch game game was ridiculous. But you think <laughs> about it, like you at a concert, you want to have the memory of the concert. So you buy a t-shirt that your, your, um, you know, your toddler isn't going to remember the concert, but you're going to remember the experience of their face lighting up, having that t-shirt, having that, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, I don't know how much kids concerts versus just regular concerts works out numbers wise, but yeah, like you said, it's an emotional attachment to the experience. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nuts. I mean, I think older band shirts recently became more fashionable again too. Mm. Over the last five ish years, you started seeing a lot more celebrities wearing like more you know metal like. Metallica's merch for some reason just like cropped up as is a crazy popular thing. I feel like the last five years, mm. um, and that era, uh, like I saw some Megadeth shirts. Like it, I, it, it was kind of cool to see that it, it's definitely um, 
I don't know what the right word is, but like a, a sort of niche, like fashion item almost. It, it's part band, but also a true fashion piece. Right. So, I mean, heck, that's just going to help musicians even more, really. Right. I, mean, I know there's a lot of backlash from, you know, seeing celebrities that have no interest in the bands. They just want the fashion statement for the bands themselves saying, you know, why are you wearing our merch? But then they don't have that connection between, you know, the actually advertising your band so don't get mad hey hey look you can they can donate their royalties too but i don't right. i don't you know i don't see them doing that so you know it, it, that stuff's kind of funny but look if any retail brand could have a celebrity wearing their shirt just to get going you'd be mm. you'd be ecstatic you'd be like right. super pumped especially a band that's just trying to grow so i don't know it feels a little bit of ego and stuff Yep. To me, I mean, that would be amazing to have someone help promote it, even if it is a fashion. I mean, that'd be cool. Like, holy crap, that somebody is wearing this as a fashion item too. It's mm-hmm. not like they they're they're probably not obviously diehard Metallica fans, but um, I don't know. It, it feels more of a compliment that hey, this has become such a staple in our society yep. that that you know people are wearing it because it makes them feel cool and and in the know like that's pretty neat yeah i mean and and i've talked about this before on the podcast making a design eye-catching like rather than an ad like a blatant advertisement where you where you have your twitter handle your instagram handle like make it a cool design so even if someone doesn't know your band or doesn't necessarily like your music they might look at the shirt and say hey that's really cool i'll buy it then they're a walking advertisement, number one, and they've just bought a, a merch item. Sure, they're not going to become a, a huge fan of the music, but, you know, it, it's a cool design. Make it a cool design and make it a thing. One, I cannot agree more. I think especially the screen printing industry has gotten a little bit diluted on the artwork side. And I think mm. a big differentiator for shops especially can be the artwork. Now, not a lot of customers maybe don't, I mean, if you just want, I need 15 bachelorette t-shirts or, you know, we need bar crawl shirts or this or that. But uh-huh. I, I think artwork can be such a, a neat way of like, of differentiating a promotional product that you just got a shirt and you kind of just give it away and you never wore it again versus yeah. a shirt that you really like, uh-huh. you know, because it's soft and because it's like, I don't know, maybe a nice discharge print, right? It feels really good. Um, I definitely have some of those in my closet and that's literally why I go to it because I'm like, man, this is such a cool design, but it feels great too. Absolutely. I love discharge prints. We don't do enough of them. We've got to do way more. They are. The tech of it is, oh my gosh, after that wash too, it's just... I mean, it feels like a, I think maybe it's because it feels like a higher end print or something because yeah. it's just the fabric is all one and, you know, you don't, you don't feel anything on top of it, but yeah, it is special. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely, for, for listeners, I'll definitely do a uh, kind of a talk later on, um, you know, on, on tech techniques and technical stuff. Cause I, I think that's definitely some information that, that people will get a lot out of. Um, yeah, so moving on, I mean, so obviously you're very um, entrepreneurial, you have that mindset. You know, what what does being an entrepreneur actually mean to you? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I had always wanted to run 
a business or just do something I was very passionate about. And it always just elevated to running the business. And that, that sounds, I don't want this to sound like ego driven because it was more just because I wanted to do things how I wanted to do it. And mm. I wanted to make it at my own speed. And, and I felt kind of held back when I was like, I was like, okay, well, why don't we do this? Or I feel like we got to go in this direction or this or that. And I mean, part of it is probably because I was just younger and people were like, nah, nah, nah. And I get it, right? Like you're fresh out of school, you know, you don't really have that much experience doing anything. So, um, but I just wanted to be that that next step and move on from there. I, I think, I think though, for most people, it's 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 either like a well, it's more of your way of life, right? Like some people just don't naturally fit in, and so they kind of create a business, and then that's mm. just what happens. And I think others, the other side of it is just you're very enterprising. You're constantly trying to grow and grow. So there's there's two types, right? And that's where you have like a, a an awesome small business, family owned, and then you can also have, although it can be family owned to be more enterprising too. But um, it's interesting. I think starting it, it was such a fun project that I got to work on every day, like at night and weekends after work for six years. It was just awesome. It, it was just exciting to keep improving and seeing things and, and the result and how it's helping people and keep growing. And now it's like when I went full time, then I was like, okay, this is, this is becoming a little more legit. And then it becomes a, um, more of like a real duty to, to continue to grow it, at least in my, my mind, as far mm. as now we've transitioned to, okay, there's a responsibility. There's, there's 21 other team members and families that really depend on this to continue to grow. Um, there's thousands of shops that continue to depend on this. So there's, there's definitely that aspect, but still, I, you know what? I'm rambling on this because there's so much in it. Like, yeah. As any business owner knows, there's just so much. But I think going back to the question of like what it means, I I think for me personally, it's just about passion. Mm. Like what what I'm super passionate about and want to build and where I see things going, that's really exciting. And that's what keeps me pumped up. Or else, I mean, if you're just doing it for dollars, I mean, there's better ways probably to make money. Um, then start a business. <laughs> right. I mean, at least it'd have a higher probability too. Absolutely. Um, I mean, do, do you remember a point, um, in, you know, when you became unemployable? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about that. It's funny you mentioned that. I thought about that about two years ago because I had, I, I, I've, so I had been really into UI design, just mm. like very into UI UX design. That's been a whole push of Printava. It's got to be simple. It's got to be easy to use. Got to make. It, how do we make it simpler? And we had a project that came up. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I needed to do some design work and I popped it open. And back when I was a designer, I was just like, I could open that stuff up and I could just bang stuff out left and right. Like I was mm -hmm. so in it. I, you know, I had seen all the latest stuff where things were going, examples. Like I could pull from inspiration in my head really quickly. And when I opened it up this time, you know, I just kind of looked at it and I was like, I'm kind of stuck. Like, I, I feel like I have to get back to the basics of just sketching a little bit, you know, building it up and looking around, seeing what how people are solving this. And um, 
that was the point where I was like, holy cow, I've definitely lost or my, 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 my hard skills have gotten damaged (laughs) just from everything else that goes on with, with running a business, but that's okay. I mean, they're two, they're really two different skills. So it's like the leadership skills are growing Uh. and then the hard skills are softening. (laughs) They're not as good. Uh, but it's good motivation, right? It's like, all right, shit. I mean, we got to make this thing work, right? Like, yep. What What else? Right. Um, another thing I really like what what you're doing is, uh, you know, you you have uh, a ton of like really cool information about how to how to improve businesses, and and you do shop tours, and like, how how does that work in 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 your marketing plan? Or I mean. I, I assume it's just because, um, you know, if, if you're improving and you're helping others improve, then you're going to, you know, it's going to come back and help your business even more. Um, but yeah, can you talk about, you know, the whole, whole YouTube, like, uh, didn't you just start a university as well? Like, Prince yeah, university? so we're, we're kind of dabbling in this one. Um, I mean, we're just so big on, we want to be able to, like you said, help the community, mm-hmm. right? We want to be able to help educate. And the more you you're, you get deeper in the space, the more that you see that, you know, some people may not go to a trade show or may not watch videos or may not go to webinars. Or like, so how do you help them? Because you're right. The more we help the industry grow, the more that we will be successful too as a business. Mm-hmm. So it's just putting as much as we possibly can to the shops to help them and share knowledge. Um, cause that awesome. absolutely pays dividends back then to us later. And I think it's just important. I, I mean, like there's nothing cooler than to see a shop a year later that's followed some tips or a methodology and that helped them, you know, be able to hire a couple people and make more money themselves. So mm. I think all that just continues to grow. Um, but I think as a brand, like you just have to pick what you really care about and what you guys resemble. And for us, I want it to be a, an amazing product, but I also want it to be a part of the um, industry and to be able to change the industry mm. like for the better. So, you know, in 15 years, you can kind of start looking back and be like, holy crap, you know, look at this where it was before and where it was after. Now, of course, that wasn't all us. We were just right. a small fraction of it, but uh, to be able to modernize a shop. I mean, I think what's crazy too is that at least with a t-shirt, you know, there's really one way to print black ink on a white t-shirt, like very simple. Right. But there's 50 ways that people run their business to take that order and get it back out. Mm-hmm. And it probably shouldn't be that complicated, uh, you know, and and so that's what we're trying to help educate and, and share around, especially as you grow. That's the that's the other thing too is that as a business grows from like one person to bringing on like one to two to seven to fifteen, like the business is totally different. Mm. Oh, yeah. And if you can help see around the corner a little bit, or we can help you see around the corner based on other things that other shops have seen, then yeah, I mean that's that's exciting and that'll really be able to help them save time and money. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I like to, uh, ask, um, kind of what I call the non quick fire question round. Cause it, it's a little longer of an answer usually. Um, 
First one is what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did that experience teach you? Yeah, significant negative experience. Um, that's an interesting question because I feel like perspective is such a big aspect of all of this. Like you, you could view, I could view almost half my day as negative <laughs> just based on me not being able to get the things done that I wanted to, or, you know, we didn't close the sale, uh, or like, I got to go back to the office because we had this thing with trash the other day where we're tossing out all these things that in trash and then it's always filled. It's just a problem with the landlord. And, uh, but I don't know. I, I really try to, everything for us is like an opportunity. Um, I mean, I, I would say I'm, I'm trying to give like a really solid experience. I, I feel like maybe one that I could pull from is, is transparency for our customer at least. Mm. Um, so, so we've definitely, you know what? No, no, no. I've, I've got a better one. That, that's a better one that I think a lot of people can relate to too. Um, there's another so as we're growing and as a company's growing, you, you you start to departmentalize. Like everybody at first is doing everything, right? Uh-huh. And that works awesome in the early days, a couple people. But when you get to seven, eight people, there starts to be roles. Uh-huh. And if you don't have roles yet, um it gets confusing. Like who's responsible for what? Who's good at what? Because that role and that responsibility is who you're going to slot somebody in. You know, there's like the right person and then there's the right role and you have to match those up. Mm -hmm. Um, As we started to grow, departmentalize, you naturally need management. You know, I think we tried to be flat for as long as possible, but that actually created more strain on everybody and myself because you just can't manage that many people well like say 10, right? You, if everybody's reporting to you, how are you supposed to be able to do a good job with sales, with customer care, with I mean, production, right? With all this different stuff. So starting to bring in the people to manage those teams plus the right people that mm-hmm. can manage those teams is hard. It's just a hard process, right? Like you want to develop the team to get in there um, you want to bring in people that are outside. It's a balance of it all. And I think that's that's been definitely a hard one for us. And I think for really any company to f- be able to find the right people that can help manage, but also their vision aligns with yours mm. to continue to push that company forward. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, I mean that, that whole um, perspective would be, is it's easily transferable to a band because you know you have to have a band agreement you have to know who's doing what otherwise it just you know disintegrates really um, yeah no i think i think especially for a band right because i think any band that's really pushing forward realizes the music is like your product mm. but it's not just the product like you can't just have an engineer build the software and then it's done. And then people are like, cool, like I'm going to sign up and pay for it and do that. like, that's just the beginning. I mean, you, I feel like you make the song awesome. Cool. That's great. But like, how do you market it? Like, where do you go tour to? How, what, what's the merch plan? What, what's the promotional plan? Like, what are the partnerships? I mean, some of these bands are doing some really cool partnerships with TV shows and making Absolutely. documentaries and, um, 
you know, and, and, and like actual product deals. And so there's so much more that's involved. And I think as either a band or a company starts early on, we are so used to doing everything and being try to be so core, like, no, it's just the product or it's just the music. And, and it's, it's so not. And you could see that with the guys who have really grown and made this truly their life. Um, you know, with, with them expanding and starting to kind of create this empire. Mm. And I think the bands that, and companies that are the fastest to realize that and to really be able to push that, um, those are the ones that really get to that next stage and continue to grow. Absolutely. So flipping the original question around, what major positive experience has given you the um, encouragement to follow this as a journey, whether that be business or whether that be, you know, just any anything in your life? Yeah. So two big things. Number one, it it is so awesome when you've got the right people, which I feel like we have an incredible crew now. It took a while to, to figure out and kind of filter through people that may not have been the best. But when we have the right crew, it just – everything clicks so well. Like – and I'm sure it's very similar with a band too. It's like you've got the right manager. You've got the right guy that's doing advertising. You've got the right guy that's that's handling merch very well. It, things just move. Mm. You know, you've set the vision in place. You've told everybody on the team, here's where we need to be by the end of this year. Here's where we need to be by next year. And here's where we're going in five years. And people just start to to execute on their own as teams. That's that's magical because it takes so long to set that up. Right. Um, and then the, I think the other thing is from our customer end, like to hear, I, I have so many stories that we post in our, in our internal Slack of testimonials of like shops that where we helped save them because, you know, especially with uh, COVID, they, they, there was nothing to sell and then they right. did fundraisers and then they're generating all this crazy sales through those um, or how they were about to go out of business because they were just losing customers from bad experience and how we helped them get organized. So, I mean, seeing that is so cool to be able to get out from behind the computer. And that's why I go to spend so much time uh, which I got you guys at Skinny Armadillo on the list, of course, too, when I'm back. Hopefully Excellent. there's a trade show out there, maybe next year or something. But right. Um I mean, just seeing it in real life, there's there's nothing like it. Absolutely. That's cool. The final I, I don't know if you want to answer for music or Yeah, I mean I think uh, let's ask it for music. What does music mean to you? Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great question. I mean, I think a mus- music for me has such a just an emotional connection. Um, we're talking about working out before and I've just been trying to get to the gym a bit more. And, you know, that's why I'm just like playing these like hip hop uh, playlists on Spotify constantly because it just gets me so fired up. Right. Um, my wife loves listening to uh, like Arizona and surfaces and some of these more relaxed um mm-hmm. EDM type of like like tropical sounding songs, but um, it's such a connection. Like it makes her feel very happy and and just in like a nice warm place and everything. And so I think that's such of the draw. And it's so unique because there's not many things that can create such an emotional reaction so mm. quickly, right? I mean, maybe seeing you know a puppy or like 
like a something like bad happening draws it out very fast. But right. I mean, music is the only one that I can think of really that that just pulls you in some certain way. I so on uh, TikTok, I was watching this uh, Andy Grammer actually. He was doing this thing called a duet, which I guess has been trending on there. Which basically he like all these artists like Megan Trainer did this too, but they will record a bat like a track and a rhythm and they'll set it up for 30 seconds and then they let anybody record vocals on top of it and this one went viral and Mm. this kid in los angeles this college kid recorded this crazy cool like he wrote this song on top of it it was just quick 30 seconds and sung it and it was unbelievable and the second you hear it like you know your 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 hairs come up on your arm and it's just but it's so powerful and i think that's for me that's what's really exciting that's fantastic yeah in closing is there any um i don't know any wisdom from the from the uh you know the the i don't want to say the back end because it's so integral you know in the part of the the shop but um you know from from behind the scenes is there anything you can give you know musicians about the music industry from our side yeah um i mean I think all musicians know merch is so important. I, I think like we talked about before, uh, the design of it and really going to the nth degree with the quality and the design is a huge aspect to make it less of a promotional item and more of something that they really, the, the person who buys it really loves and keeps. I think always just thinking bigger than you are now, like hmm. what would a company that's two years ahead of us be doing, right? What would a band that's two, three years ahead of us be doing? How do we do that right now? Um, and I think really just diving deeper into content too, it is really, really cool. Uh, from a business perspective, a lot of shops are really getting into documenting it all, posting on Instagram a lot more. Uh Um, and I think that's the same thing if like YouTube channels have been growing like crazy for, for companies. I, I think that's the same exact thing for bands as well. Like, I mean, it's arguable that you probably even should just have a videographer that's a friend that's just always trying to record, like making a song. Um, and you see it. I mean, you see it on Netflix, right? The, uh, I think Taylor Swift put out a crazy cool documentary. Um, Casey Neistat, uh, the videographer, did something cool with uh, – who's that uh, singer, that guy? Anyway, they recorded a cool documentary on the road. And there's so many things, especially now, like when you can't really play many shows that – right that is the best time to record this, right? Like record it, put it together, get a friend, get an intern, you know, somebody at college that's studying video that it doesn't have to be 4k digital IMAX surround sound, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. It's just like people want the content that they're not looking for, uh, you know, crazy visual effects and everything. So yeah, definitely don't underestimate that. And then I think the last thing that I always take is just, it's, it's all really how you look at it and the perspective that you have of things. Like everything is an opportunity to help improve and push it to the next level. Absolutely. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, giving your uh, background and everything. So thank you so much. Um, yeah. And I really hope uh, we get to uh, see you down here in Fort Worth again, hopefully when everything gets back to normal quote unquote yeah we'll see but (laughs) i'll be back there thanks so much simon i appreciate having me on too no problem thank you thanks as always for listening i really hope you enjoyed this episode 
If you're interested in supporting this podcast, then I'd be extremely grateful if you would. I have added a page on musiconyourownterms.com to allow you to do just that. On that page, I have added some eBay affiliate links to equipment I use on the podcast. If you buy anything from eBay with these links, then I earn a commission which really helps me continue to provide this great content to you, the listener. Stay up to date with the podcast and find out who I'll be interviewing in upcoming episodes before they air by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. On the site, you'll also find show notes for every episode, some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. To play out this episode is a song by my good friends Tim Chimes and Bruce Vermette and their project About Time. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This song is called Watch Your Watch. Oh, 
growing lifeless every day. And though she wants to 